souls of men. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win his erring child to reconcile and pardon from his sin. Fly 
Love. 
Let's open our Bibles together, please, in the book of Romans and the chapter number five. Thank you very much indeed for coming, and we pray that God will bless us tonight as we gather around God's precious word, that God will speak to each and every one of our hearts. And I trust that you'll please remember the meetings. Remember the meeting tomorrow night. Pray for it and encourage others to come. And of course, the wee chorus says, don't go to heaven alone. Bring somebody with you. And so therefore, don't come to carry duff alone, but bring somebody with you and encourage them to come in under the sound of the word of God. These meetings will pass very quickly out into eternity. Many a soul has regretted not working. The Bible says that we're to work while it's day. Because the night comes when no man can work. And there's no use weeping over souls of our loved ones uh, whenever they're lost. Now's the time to seek to get them and to seek to go after them. You say, well, they're hard to, to get them in. Well, you know, the, 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 the Bible tells us that we have to have just a stickability and go after them with importunity. Uh, just like the wee woman that came to the man and she was looking for uh, some bread for someone who visited her had come. And uh, she wouldn't give up. She kept going. She kept, and listen, even to keep her quiet, he gave her the bread. He got up. He wasn't wanting to get up, but my, uh, that can be the same. Even to keep you quiet, uh, you can get them in under the sound of the word of God. And then the Lord can do the rest. Remember, salvation is off the Lord, as we'll see tonight. Let's open our Bibles together in the book of Romans and the chapter number 5. And with the word of God open before us, let's just bow our heads for a wee word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy precious word tonight. We thank thee for the privilege of calling us to preach the gospel. We thank thee what a joy and what a privilege uh, to preach the, the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ and his love. We thank thee, O God, our Father, for this hymn that we've just been singing. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing. That will be when we all see Jesus and we'll sing and we'll shout the victory. Oh God, we pray that you'll help us even in this world. Help us, our God, to be excited about the things of God and give us a joy in the presence of the Lord. For in thy presence there's the fullness of joy and at thy right hand there are the pleasures forevermore. So Lord, bless us and do our hearts good tonight. And oh God, just reveal thyself to us even through thy precious word. Open the scriptures to our hearts. And uh, Lord, just reveal the Savior. For we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Now this chapter 5 is a wonderful chapter of the Word of God. It opens these words, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what we're seeing in these next verses are some of the rich blessings or the amazing blessings uh, that flow from our justification. Uh, by us being justified, thank God declared uh, uh, not guilty in the presence of the Lord because of what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has done for us. He bare our sins. He took our sins and bare our sins on his own body upon the tree. And thank God, whenever you're saved, you are counted righteous in Christ. That's the important thing. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And all the blessings for the child of God that flows from our justification and our justification itself is from Christ and in 
Christ Jesus. And that person is counted as having died in Christ and having paid the penalty for sin and the death of Christ and were raised to walk in the newness of life in Jesus Christ. And you notice the blessings that fall. You know, the, I love that old Psalm 103. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then it gives you a, a, a summary of the blessings and the benefits of our blessings in Christ and in, in God. And of course, the greatest blessing is this, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Now, if man had been writing that, I'll guarantee that man would have written it the other way around. He would have said, the greatest blessing is who healeth all our diseases. Because, my, we don't want the diseases. We want to be sure that our bodies are, are delivered from all the ailments of the human flesh. And people would say, that's the greatest blessing. The blessing of a healed body. And uh, a body that, that, that has been healed. But that's not the greatest blessing. The greatest blessing is this, who forgiveth. All thine iniquities. It's the healing of the soul. That's the greatest blessing of all. To know that our sins are forgiven. That our sins, which are many, have been blotted out. And thank God it says, therefore, being justified. Now, of course, the ground of our justification is found there in the previous verse. In chapter 4, in verse 25, it says, Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again, for or because of our justification. Thank God Christ is the secret and he is the answer to all our needs. Christ is the answer. Just never forget that. Christ is the answer. If you're sin sick soul tonight, thank God Christ is the answer to your sin sick soul. If you're burdened tonight, thank God Christ is the answer. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Some years ago there was a uh, a family outside Tombridge. And that family outside Tombridge were uh, one of the members of that family. He was a part-time member of the security forces. And he was also uh, uh, driving a lorry. And of course, he lived in a difficult area where the terrorists were around that community. And his mother was a godly woman. And every morning she would rise up early in the morning because her son would leave around about six o'clock or so in the morning to take the, the lorry uh, uh, and, and do his, his daily duties. And mother would get up and give him his breakfast and give him his lunch uh, and, and get him out. And then she would go down to the bedroom and she would sit there on the side of the bed and she would wait for the sound of the lorry to hear the lorry going off. And whenever the lorry would go off safely, she would just praise the Lord and thank God that once again her son was safe and she would lie down in bed and go for another hour's sleep. But you know, one morning, the young man got up and he got his breakfast. And after his breakfast, his mother gave him his lunch and she sent him out as she did every other morning. She sent him out uh, on his way to do his day's work. And of course, she went down to the bedroom as she did on other occasions. She sat down at the side of the bed and she heard the lorry start up. And then all of a sudden she heard the sound of gunfire. And she jumped up and, you know, naturally a mother would go out to try and, and help her son. But just as she was getting up to go from the bed, one of the bullets came through the window of that bedroom. You know, her son was spared that day. 
but her mother, the, the mother was shot dead. I remember going to that home. I remember walking into that room and walking there where the coffin was lying, just before that. Dr. Alan Kearns had written a little booklet, Christ is the Answer. I remember well going there and standing at the side of Mother's uh, casket there and looking in the coffin. And there lying in the top, just where Mother's arms are folded and just there in the top of the linen was Mr. Kearns' little book. For everyone that came into that home to see. And it was the words, Christ is the answer. I want to tell you tonight, he still is. Christ is the answer. And I don't care what your need is. I don't care what your burden is. Thank God, the the Lord Jesus Christ is the answer. And here is what we have in Christ Jesus. Therefore, being justified by faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Righteous in God's sight. Standing in the perfect righteousness of Christ. Not our righteousness, because the Bible says all of our righteousness are as filthy rags in God's sight. Ah, they're, you know, in man's sight they're not. Oh, man's righteousness has not filthy rags. But it says all our righteousness are as filthy rags in God's sight. You see, man goeth about to establish his own righteousness and tell you how good he is. And how careful he is to live as good a life and clean a life as he possibly can. And that may be so. He may try to do that. But friend, man at his best. Romans chapter 3 says this. There is none righteous. No, not one. And that's the preacher standing in the pulpit. And our brother McLaughlin sitting there listening to God's precious word. And every man and every woman, let me tell you, clothed in our own righteousness, I'll tell you, the Bible says it's as filthy rags in God's sight. That's all we have of ourselves. But thank God in Christ, we have perfect righteousness. Robed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. And as God looks at me tonight, thank God he looks on the righteousness of a son. And thank God he sees me through the finished work of Jesus Christ. I am in Christ. And in Christ, positionally, I have that perfect righteousness. Thank God declared righteous in God's sight. Therefore, being justified by faith. But notice what we have through that. We have peace with God. We have peace with God. I was preaching on that yesterday, wasn't I? About what the precious blood of Jesus Christ brings to the heart. Thank God he is our peace. And we are brought nigh through the blood of Christ. And we who once were afar off, strangers to God, and to grace, bound in our sin, bound for hell, and a Christless eternity. But thank God we're not afar off anymore. We've been brought nigh. And the sin that separated us from a righteous and a holy God has been dealt with through the blood. And thank God the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, has cleansed us from our sin. 
And today or tonight, we have peace with God. You know what the Bible says in Isaiah? There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. Oh, man may try to bring peace to his own soul. Man may try to calm his own soul and tell himself, all's well. I don't need to worry. Don't need to fear death. I don't need to fear uh, God or fear meeting God. Because man is blinded to his own condition. He can't see his lostness. He's blind. He can't feel his lostness because he's dead. In trespassing and sin, a dead man feels nothing. You can pinch him and he'll never move. Why? Because he's dead. He's dead in his trespasses and his sin. And friend, that's where God found me. And that's where God found you if you're saved. That's where God got you. God got you in the pit of your sin. You and I need to realize this. Remember where God brought us from. Not have I gotten but what I received. Grace hath bestowed it since I have believed. Boasting excluded all my pride I abase. For at best I'm only a sinner. Saved by grace. I love the 40th Psalm. I count the 40th Psalm David's testimony. It's David's testimony. Note he says, He drew me from the fearful pit. That's where he got us. He got us in a fearful pit, the pit of our sin. In the muck and in the miry clay of our sin. And there we were, trying to get ourselves out of it. But my, the more we walked in the old mire, the deeper and deeper we got down into it. Thank God in grace, God reached down his loving hand, the nail-pierced hand of the Savior. And the psalmist says, he drew me. He drew me from that fearful pit. And he drew me from that merry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock. And he established my goings. And he put a new song in my mouth. Notice, my friend, all the glory is given to him. That's the Lord, the God of glory. And you know, as we look in this passage of God, I want to tell you this. All the glory for my salvation goes to him. I want you to go, just read a few verses down here, and then we'll come to the verse which point, pinpoints that. Look at this here. Verse number two. By whom also we have access, by faith, into this grace wherein we stand. Oh my, think about that. You have access. You have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Thank God we stand. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. We're not bowed down and intimidated or shaken with fear anymore. But thank God we can enter into God's holy presence unafraid. We can enter into the royal courts of God and come into the presence of the King of Kings. And we have no fear. Why? Because we have access. We have access into this grace. Undeserved that we be. We're in 
we stand. Thank God I'm no longer a stranger. That lovely old hymn, I once was a stranger to grace and to God. I knew not my danger, I felt not my load. But thank God tonight, we have nothing to fear. What did the psalmist say? God is our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, shall we not fear? We've not to fear. We come into the presence of a righteous, sovereign, almighty God. The God who created heaven and earth. The, world, the God who spoke this world into being. And ever since it, man's trying to find out how he did it. And they come up with all their theories of how God did it. Let me tell you, you don't need to come up with a theory, friend. God's told you how he did it. He spake, and it was done. In six days, that God created the heaven and the earth. And I believe his word. Amen. I believe his word. And then, on that final day in his creation, God created man. What did the psalmist say? He says, what is man? When I consider the moon, the stars, all that thou hast ordained, what's man? You ever stood out at night, stood under the heavens, looked up and you saw the stars and the heavens, friend, just these little dazzling lights all over the sky. And then you look up there and you see the moon. You see the vastness of it all. And there you're standing, just a little, just a little creature, viewing the wonder of God's creation. And yet for none of those other things did God give his son to redeem but God give us son to redeem you and me to save us from our sins. Then he said this verse number 3 and not only so but we glory in tribulation also knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. But when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man someone even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And friend, that's what I want to talk to you tonight about. I want you to talk to you tonight the very basis of our salvation and justification is brought before us in that verse number 8. And notice where it starts. Here's the source. Notice the first two words. But God. But God. I commend to you a study in those two words. 
I'm told that it occurs, but God occurs about 82 times in the scriptures. Now, if you do that study and you find there's 83, don't come back and say, preacher, you missed one of them. Because I didn't count them. I'm only saying what the commentators have said. And I'm just giving you that piece of information tonight. Maybe Brother McLaughlin will be able to count them. It's like whenever you see, fear not and be not afraid. I'm told that there are 366 of them in the Bible. And I find that interesting of that so. Because notice it's not only 365, it's 366. And you know what that means? It means that every day that I rise, friend, no matter what I have to face, no matter what situation comes along my journey, no matter how dark the pathway that I have to trod, God says to me, fear not, don't be afraid, child. You have nothing to fear. And you know, I said to you, 366 blesses my heart because that means that God gives us the extra one for the the leap year. Because if I had a come at 365 and then we came to the leap year, there'd be one day we wouldn't have the promise. But praise God we have it. Amen. He gives us more abundant, above all we could ever ask or think. And our brother can count them as well. I'll give him something to do. Well, there we are, friend. It says here, listen, but God. You know what that's telling me? It tells me this, that our salvation starts with God. Our salvation starts with God. John 3 and 16, that lovely verse that is, as it were, the very hub of the, of the gospel. It is a gospel in a nutshell, says, for God. For God so loved the world. It wasn't that the world loved God. It says that God loved us, not that we loved him. Do you remember whenever Adam sinned? And God said, Adam, the day that thou eatest thereof, you'll surely die. And Adam defiantly, willfully sinned against the righteous and the holy God. And she handed that fruit, Eve handed that fruit to Adam, and he ate it. Knowing what God had said, the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. But Adam didn't take God at his word, friend. He took the devil's word. And man since that day has been doing the same. Because you see, man thinks that somehow that he can get away with a sin. He can sin away, but it doesn't matter. God won't bring him to account. And yet the word of God says this. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth that, shall he also reap. Be sure your sin will find you out. But man thinks that he can get away with it. Adam thought he could get away with it. He looked at that fruit and as, as Eve handed it to him, my, listen, let me tell you, he, he didn't say, well, listen, no, I can't, because God says no. 
God says the day thou waitest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And I believe God. Ah, but the serpent said, Thou shalt not surely die. You'll become as gods. You'll become your own god. You'll become your own master. You can do whatever you like and get away with it. And that's how man's living today. Somehow they feel that they can live in their sin and somehow at the end of the journey they get a free pass into glory. And all it'll take is for the preacher to stand at their grave and drop the dust or the, the soil on the top of their coffin and they say, dust thou art and dust thou shalt return in the sure and certain hope of a glorious resurrection. And they give them all a free pass into heaven, friend. But let me tell you, there's a problem. It's God's heaven. And God has told the way to get there. Jesus said, I'm the door. I'm the only door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. You remember on the day that God said to Noah, God says, Noah, yet seven days. Yet seven days. That's all that's left. And God says, Noah, then come in. Come in. You know, I hear people foolishly talking about the ark. Say, how did Noah get all those animals into the ark? How did Noah count out two and two and two and two? And how did let me tell you, friend, Noah had nothing to do with it. It was God brought them in. God brought them in. Noah didn't. Noah didn't run around the the yard or the, the, the countryside and gather up the animals. And I was reared in a farm, and I know, let me tell you, if you have a flock of sheep, surely if there's one goes through the gap, and, and you run, then the owls will run after. How would you keep the... Uh, it, was, it was just, you're looking for one, and, well, the rest of them were running after them. No, no. Noah didn't do it, friend. And God brought them in, just the same as God said, Noah, come in. And then it says this. God shut to the door. Noah didn't close the door. God did. So man can't fool around with the things of God, friend. Listen. It says, but God. Salvation's not found in man's work. Salvation is not found in man's merits. Salvation is not found in anything that man can or cannot do. Salvation, the word of God says, is of the Lord. And that's the glorious gospel. And God came walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And God said, Adam, where art thou? Notice. Adam, when he sinned, 
didn't come running after God. It was God who came after him. That's the grace of God, friend. And the wonderful thing is this, that God, in his sovereign grace and mercy, God provided a salvation for sinners like you and me. Had God not provided the plan of salvation, I would be lost. I would not dare stand in this pulpit because I would be without hope. But thank God, God provided a full, a free salvation for you and me. But God, Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, in spite of who we were, God looked down upon us in grace. I'm glad that God didn't wait until I was worthy. I'm glad that God didn't look down and wait until I was lovable. Because I've been away to hell tonight. Because there's nothing worthy in me. But in spite of all my unworthiness, God designed a blessed plan for my salvation. You see, friend, all the glory of my salvation is to him. Is to him. And sometimes people, you know, standing up and giving their testimonies, they nearly glory in their past. And the glory about all the bad things that they have done. Then let me tell you, you and I have nothing to glory of. What did Newton write? He said, amazing grace. It's amazing that God could ever love us. That God could ever think upon us. That God could ever be merciful to us. That God could ever set his electing love upon us. But God, that's the source of salvation. Down there in the belly of the fish. Jonah found out this truth. Salvation is of the Lord. And let me say this tonight. From beginning to end, salvation is of the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't do the first part of the work and leave the rest of toss. If that had been so, we'd still be on our way to hell. But Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but the blood of Jesus washed me white as snow. Now notice this. Not only do we have the source 
of our salvation. We have the solace. Listen, but God commendeth his love toward us. Not mighty? The holy God of heaven commanding his love toward you and me. There are many people tonight and they've never known what love was and what love is. There's many a wee child that's walking the streets of Belfast tonight and they've never experienced what true love is. Remember the wee verse, a mother's love is a blessing. No matter where you roam, keep her when she's living, for you'll miss her when she's gone. Love her as in childhood, though she be old and grey, for you'll never miss a mother's love till she's buried beneath a clay. A mother's love's a wonderful thing. A mother's love will make her sit up even though she's tired and weary, to look after her weary, sin-sick child. And while others would give up, she doesn't. Why? Because of love. A father's love. What a blessing to know a father's love as well. I've often said this, that whenever... We were in the hardest days of the trouble when our kids were small. I used to climb the stairs at night, coming in late at night, and the whole home was lying asleep. And I'd climb the stairs, and I'd walk up the stairs and go into the room where all the children were, and I'd stand at each one of the children's bed and pray that God would keep them safe during the night, and then I would kiss them. And silently walk away. Father's love. I think of David in the scriptures. He followed after his wayward son. The boy that tried to take the throne from his father. The one that had betrayed his father. The one that tried to to destroy his father and his kingdom. And wrest the kingdom from his father's hands. I see him walk up the hill. Am I there at Jerusalem and his heart is breaking? Running from his son. But then the day came when his son met his end. And the father walked after when he heard the news and he cried, O Absalom, my son, my son, would God have died for thee? And he used to wonder, why did David say that? Well, the answer's simple for him. You see, David knew the Lord. And David was ready to die. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. But Absalom died in his sin. And David had gladly exchanged his place for his wayward son.
A father's love. A child's love. When the little one puts their arms around your neck and holds you tight and says, Daddy, Mommy, I love you. And you'll mean it. And you feel so richly blessed. The love of a child. But I'm not talking about a father's love and I'm not talking about a mother's love and I'm not talking about a little child's love. I'm talking about God's love. How does the Holy Spirit of God write it in John 3.16? And who's doing the speaking whenever he's talking about God's love? It's the Savior himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he says it, for God so loved. The wee chorus said, Jesus' love is very wonderful, so high. We can't get over it so low. We can't get under it so wide. We can't get around it. Oh, wonderful love. The love of God. And it says this, But God commendeth his love. He proved his love. He exhibited his love. He demonstrated his love. Listen, notice in that word. Toward us. Toward us. Who could understand that? Toward us. Who's the us, friend? Well, the word of God quickly says this. God commended this love towards us in that while we were yet sinners. That's whom God loved. Mom, you love your child. You love your darling. Daddy, you love your, your, your own offspring. And you've got, there's something in your heart. You love them because they're yours. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. A world of sinners. That's what it says here. God commended his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners. Sinners. God says, for all have sinned. Who are they? Maybe you're here tonight and you say, well, well, that's not me. Oh, yes, it is, friend. For God says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you can try to meet the standards of God And obey the law of God, but I can tell you, you'll be a failure. Because God says we have all fallen short of the glory of God. I'll only mention this because time's away tonight. Look at verse 6. There's another word describing whom God loved. For when we were yet without strength, without strength, in other words, Utterly helpless, destitute, powerless, unable to save or help ourselves. Do you see that as a picture of the sinner tonight? 
without strength. There is nothing that you can do of yourself, friend, to make yourself savable. Of yourself, there is nothing that you can do to make God love you. You didn't have to. When you were yet without strength, listen, it says this, Christ died for the ungodly. There's another description. Ungodly. Without God. Unlike God. No room for God. Ungodly. You violated God's standards and lived as if God will never bring you to account ungodly. And then look at verse 10. For if when we were enemies, there's another description of a sinner, an enemy of God. Maybe you say to me, preacher, how dare you say that? I've always loved God. Let me tell you, friend, you can't. Because if you love God, you love his son. You love the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, is he your Savior? Have you received him? Have you taken him by faith and received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Or are you a rebel to him? The Word of God says, if when we were enemies, enemies, enemies of God, our back to God, our face to the world, our feet on the way to hell, the enemies of God. But here's the last thought. Going back to verse 8. But God commanded his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners. Yes we have the source. But God. We have the solace. God commanded his love towards us. We have the sinners. While we were yet sinners. But thank God we have the sacrifice. Christ died for us. And that's the gospel. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How does Isaiah put it? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised or crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes were healed. And friend, that's the gospel. Christ died for us. Instead of us in place of us, on behalf of us, for our sakes, our substitute. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, thank God, we're healed. Some years ago, the Swiss theologian, Karl Barth visited the States. He was at this university session. He was a very renowned person. And so he's addressing these students at one of the great universities. 
after his lecture, there came the time for questions. And in the question section, someone asked him these words. He says, Dr. Barth, what is the greatest thought that has ever gone through your mind? The rest of the students were waiting for a a powerful, perhaps even incomprehensible answer from the great theologian. And for a moment, Barth thought about the question. And then this is what his reply was. He says, you've asked me the question, what is the greatest thought that has ever gone through my mind? And he says, here's my answer. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. That's the greatest thought. That Jesus loves a sinner. That Jesus so loved me that he died in my guilty room instead. He said, Father, lo I come in the volume of the book that is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O God. And he stepped out of the glory. He humbled himself and took upon himself the form of a man. And then one day he went to the cross of Calvary. And in the darkness of the cross, he bare my sin. And all the hell and all the punishment that was due for my sin, he bare it for me. And there on the cross, he drank damnation dry that I would never perish, but I might have everlasting And friend, God sent his son to do that. There's the love of God. And as I finish tonight, I ask you this question. What will you do with God's love? Will you just get up from a gospel meeting and turn and walk away and say, listen, what is that to me? It's a wonderful story, preacher. But it's not for me. And you turn your back on Christ who went to the cross of Calvary to shed his blood for you. And you trample under your feet the blood of the Savior. And you count his sacrifice as nothing. And you say, God, I'll make it on my own. I don't need your son. I don't need his sacrifice. I don't need his pardon. I don't need his blood. 
situation. I'll save myself. I'll make it my way. And you can. But this is what Proverbs 14, 12 says. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof is the way of death. There's only one way to heaven, friend. Jesus is the way. Will you come to him? As many as receive him, to them give he the power to become the son, the daughters of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless your word tonight. Lord, if there be one in this service and they're not saved, they know not your son, your lovely son, the Lord Jesus is their savior. They're resting on themselves hoping that somehow at the end of the journey they'll make it out all right. Oh God, open their eyes, we pray. Lest they die in their sin and go to hell. Lord, save them. Save them now. In Jesus' name. Amen. If there's someone tonight in this gathering, you say... Preacher, you want to talk to you about those things, the things of God. And please come and speak to me. Come speak to Mr. McLaughlin. But please don't go away without Jesus. Only a step, friend, only a breath to eternity. This could be the last meeting you'll ever sit in. I could have preached my last message. But thank God I'm saved. Amen.